you told me well, it's probably been a week or so no now ago to to listen to the goody mob record soul food like not just a song but like the whole album and yes. and, and pick and pick something and like i was not familiar i'm like a, goody mob is one of those bands or groups um that like i'd heard the name of before but didn't know anything about um so i look forward to learning some stuff um obviously i recognize CeeLo green but like because he's like become famous outside of that group too but um but so so the songs we're going to address are the soul food song not just the, the whole album but um the song and um chris stapleton's version of tennessee whiskey which is um uh i guess one as close as you can get to like a modern classic i guess like as far as like one that everybody has heard and everybody knows so. now when did tennessee whiskey come out like the original one the original one was like 1981 i think okay that's what it feels like so okay yeah, yeah the originally like um it's by a man named david allen co um and george jones also covered it who was a famous like like a johnny cash level famous kind of country singer from like the 70s um who had serious alcohol problems too um and mm -hmm. so this was he recorded a cover of it as kind of his comeback in like the early 80s too and then i mean we'll talk about this later too but like the chris stapleton version is is pretty different than than their versions of it what were your what was your overall take on soul food the album by goody mob what were your favorite songs this one was my, the one that we're doing is my favorite i love thought process i told you that um that was um a lot to to process <laughs> um oh, like like to have a conversation about right now like I, I didn't know if i was i mean we will come back to it at some point i'm sure but because it's worth talking about um andre's versus great um like there's all kinds of good stuff in that in that song um yeah yeah that's the like i didn't know this i think i was watching you and mike uh, a couple weeks ago you quoted the beginning of that verse Celo's verse yeah. and i didn't know where it came from yeah. until i heard that song it's like oh that's what he just said. yeah 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 it's, um, it's um so like a, like like here i'm like 30 dollars away from being homeless or something yeah. i don't remember exactly yeah. the line but yeah. sometimes i don't even know how i'm gonna eat about 20 dollars away from being on the street yeah 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 um so one thing that struck me and we can just go ahead and start getting into soul food that's here it's good one of the things that struck me when you weren't familiar with Goody Mob, was how big Outkast truly, truly was. Because this is their bandmates. Like the Dungeon okay. Family, the core of the Dungeon Family is Outkast and Goody Mob and Organized Noise, the production team. That's yeah. almost the whole crew outside of a few members touch and go here and there, like Sleepy Brown, Big right. Rude, Cool Breeze, Witch Doctor. There's some, you know, other affiliates. But this is the core. And you're somebody that was raised in the South in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the fact that, you know, just off the reverberation of Outcast, I just always assumed that you were familiar with Goody Mob and familiar with Soul Food. And it just made me realize how big Outcast really became yeah. in relationship to even contemporaries within their own group. Because yeah. Goody Mob's on all the Outcast albums pretty much in okay. some sort of shape, form, or fashion. So you've heard all of these guys before. You heard these guys on Outcast first album, second album, third album. Yeah, the, the, the beat on this one sounds very similar to like early Outcast stuff too. Like, well, it's the same production team. It's yeah. Organized Noise doing the production. So of yeah. course this feels, um, you know, it feels production-wise um, very comparable to Outcast. Now here's what's special production-wise about Soul Food, the song and the album. They really did play on the food motif mm -hmm. and on the church and biblical yeah. and southern driven archetypes even down to the sounds so there's a lot of organs mm -hmm. and harmonies on this album and on this song even the way it starts off that organ mm, like yeah. think about a rap song starting off with the organ yeah, soul food. That, that was the first thing i sent you about this album when i first started listening to it that first the first song that's it's not really a hip-hop song really it's a it's just like singing but it's, it's very spiritual sounding yeah. like it's, it's very yes. much in oh. that vein so the, the tone of the album and the theme of the album is very rooted in the spiritual and biblical things that kind of come with growing up in the south quite frankly right. and that also centers around cooking and yep. food so soul food literally like for me the first time i heard it 
it felt and sounded like we were going to Aunt Irma's house after church yep. on Sunday. That's exactly what it feels like. I can smell her cornbread and the black eyed peas and the chicken about to drop in the grease. Like I can, I'm there. She had a garden out back, the tomatoes. We're going to go pick a couple blackberries. So it, it evokes all of those Southern yeah, imagery. Exactly. Moments. And, and, and a lot of our imagery down here, attached to church, attached to food. Yep. Yep. And so this is a, so, so this is like a beautiful moment where it's like, well, they're expressing a lot of things about, and listen to what I'm saying, not just Southern living, not just Southern black living, but this is Southern living that's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. Like they're, I recognize a lot of these touchstones too. They're, they're not like we've talked about before. Like they're not exactly the same in the white community, but poor rural white, like farming communities, like the food ways there are not super, super different. Yeah. Um, and, and the yeah. church going stuff too. I mean, like all of that is still. No, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's part, that's part of, that's part of rural white America down here too. We're, we're all getting, even if we're going to separate churches, we're getting up on Sunday, going to church and we're going to somebody's house. We're going to the cafeteria downstairs in the church afterwards. Yep. You know, like a church I used to go to when I was a kid, Ebenezer Baptist, you know, you would be literally, you would be upstairs in service and you could smell the food oh, yeah. from yeah. the kitchen downstairs and be like, man, the service almost over. Come on, let's, let's, let's three hours. Let's wrap this up. I need some mac and cheese and some yams and some of those rolls with a little pinch of salt on them. It's like, no, I need all that right now. So pastor, please Come on. pass the peas. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get, let's get in the prayers. <laughs> now they express a central thing, but they also do a great job on soul food. And this is part of the reason why Atlanta is on the map. Outcast on Southern Playalistic in 1994 briefly touches on Atlanta touchstones. Mm-hmm. Goody Mob takes you right to the streets and the yeah. corners. Soul Food is one of those records. So I wrote on, some of that about too. Go ahead, keep going though. That's yeah. right. Like on Players Ball, you have Andre say, We went the underground. We've seen a lot of hoes around. That's that's a general and that's mm-hmm. a big place everybody knows about. No, Goody Mob's getting specific about where they're from. This 1365 Wichita. Yeah, I mean, that's like their that actual addresses. Five uh, Wichita Drive, old bird working the stove, right? Right. But listen, Timo, when he starts off, he starts off letting you know where him and his people from. My old boy from the point, that's East Point, right, right next to College Park. My old boy from the point, but I'm from Southwest. That's the Swats. That's on the other side of the point. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Okay, so yeah. he's pretty much saying, like, no, 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 no. He's on East Point. That's on that side of the South Side and on College Park. I'm from the Swats. We on the other side. That's Southwest Atlanta too strong. East Point's on the East. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So he's explaining. It's like, no, no, no. My man over there is from this side of the hood down here. I'm from that side of the hood right there. That's how Soul Food starts off. So they're giving you locations and letting you know where they are, you know? And so that's really, really, really important to what Atlanta would become. This is yeah. one of those touchstone moments about how people became familiar with where stuff is. Yeah. yeah. When Cujo is literally, like you said, Sunday morning, where you eating that? Yep. I'm on 1365 Wichita Drive. Like okay? super, super specific. Yeah. Super, super specific. Like, so G- Big Gip is doing the same thing on his verse. Yes. And Miss Lady acting like we in jail, <laughs> acting like she ain't got no extra hush puppies to sell. Yep. Bankhead Seafood, which has mm-hmm. now been reopened by Killer Mike and T.I. Oh, cool. Yes. So this is the original Bankhead Seafood that literally used to be flooded all the time. And listen, he's like, Bankhead Seafood making me hit the door with the mind full of attitude. It was a line at the beautiful. That's another spot. Mm-hmm. JJ's rib shack was packed too. Looking to be one of them days my mama ain't cooking. Everybody's out hunting for, for the family, looking for a little soul food. But he touches on the famous black spots that we're going mm-hmm. to. You know, like all these places, when I was a kid down here, no, my mom took me to these places a lot of the time on Saturdays and Sundays after church or some sort of family get together or server. So when he's saying JJ's Rib Shack, oh no, that's touching everybody that's ever lived down here. When mm-hmm. he's talking about Bankhead Seafood, yeah, he's touching everybody. That's what I mean. It's like it reverberated for me because by now I'm in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So when he's saying this, when I'm in Charlotte, I'm like, oh no, I was like, I go for some Bankhead Seafood. Oh, JJ's Rib Shack. Oh, the beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they're touching on things, but they're also touching on the tenuous circumstances that come with inner city living. You know, uh, Cujo talks about churches dropping chicken in yesterday's grease. Yep. 
You know, mm-hmm. that's hood stuff. That's where it's like, no, the local franchise guy owns it and grease is super expensive. So instead of like taking the grease out like normal decent businessmen do, a lot of the times in the hood, those black owners will just use the grease that they used last night, fire it back up in the morning to help save on cost and effectively. Mm-hmm. And you can taste it. It tastes different. It make the food taste different, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So they're touching on all of these things and they're sprinkling like a little knowledge in, in church and black motifs in there. Like it's real quick Sunday morning where you eating it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like almost like, like, you know, yes, it's do. a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where they start touching on the black topics. You know, this is around the OJ trial. The OJ trial is all over this album. Yeah. I, I got that on this song too. Yeah. Like this. You know, Timo literally says, fuck Chris Darden, fuck Marshall Clark. Clark. Yep. Taken for when we're in the spotlight has a joke. He's talking about their their relationship. It's like, oh, y'all are sitting up here like playing footsies and shit while this black man's on trial for murder. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a good look for Chris Darden. You know right. what I mean? That's like, man, fuck Chris Darden, fuck Marshall Clark. Take yeah. him for when we end the spotlight as a joke. It's like, keep all your relationship out of it and like stick to the business of being attorneys. Yep. These are black rappers from the SWATs who are like 20, 23 years old saying this to like grown, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And, so and LA too. Like they're, they're not like local people. They're no, they're LA this people. is all the way from Atlanta. And this yeah. is one of the beautiful things about this record. Well, these guys are really country, but you see they're really well read and intelligent now, don't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, so they're, they're, they're giving they're sharp, some sharp lyrics on here. Yeah. They're, they're, they're sharp. Look, he speaks to the socioeconomics on the same verse that are going on. Looking at Linux from the outside, Linux malls, Linux and perimeter are expensive. He's talking in 1995, looking at Linux from the outside, he's letting you know the socioeconomics. Oh no, the people from my neighborhood, we can only drive by Linux. We don't got the money to go in Linux. Okay, yeah. CeeLo's verse is probably the one that gives you the most imagery. The second verse. Yeah, the macaroni. A heaping helping of fried chicken, macaroni and cheese and collard greens too big for my jeans. Smoke yeah. steams from under the lid that's on the pot. Here's where he sprinkles some knowledge in. Ain't never had a lot, but thankful for the little that I got. Why not be? This fast food make, hold on. Them crackers, this fast food got me feeling slick. Them sick, them crackers think they slick mm-hmm. by trying to make this bullshit affordable. Yep. Thank the Lord that my voice was recordable. Mm-hmm. As in like, I think that because I have this voice and this talent, it's economically removing, removing me from that duress that's literally killing my black community. Like, mm-hmm. as in, we don't have enough money for good food, so we have to go eat cheap fast food, which is set up to kill us, quite yeah. frankly. I mean, it is. And not just, like, Black people. Even it's kill, it's kills killing. all, like, poor... I was about to say, it's, yeah. it's killing at all shapes, forms, and sizes, but this is one of those things of showing you, well, the emphasis on it seems to be in my community pretty strong. I'm going to tell you something that I see. When I go back to the East Side, which is, I spent most of my childhood in you know, early formative years in actual Atlanta, Atlanta, mm. and on the east side up to Lafonia. So when I'm on Candler Road or Gresham or on Memorial or on Boulder Crest, what you will find is that like the fast food places that were literally there, I mean, I'm 40 now, like some of the literally the same buildings that were there, fast food buildings like the KFCs and, and all those, yeah. they literally were there when I was a kid, those same buildings are still standing there. In this mostly affluent white neighborhood that I'm living in, most of those fast food down. are going down. They've been shut down. Bojangles got shut down up here. KFC got shut down up here. Like I can go show you the list of all the fast food that's getting closed down here. While those are not only popping up more right next to the liquor store and the dollar store and the gas station yep. where they're letting people traffic at. You know what I mean? It's like people traffic. People don't traffic at gas stations because they want to. It's because the owner is letting them. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like when you start throwing those things into a pot, he's kind of touching on that aspect of it, too. It's like, well, you know, there there's an emphasis on keeping it here in my neighborhood, though. And so it might be killing everybody, but there is an emphasis on it killing in certain communities, which is why that KFC, it's right off of like Gresham and Boulder Crest. It was like there when I was fucking nine and still sitting there and it's a shithole. (laughs) Yeah, it was a shithole when I was a kid. They, they call them they call them food deserts that's the fancy education or, or whatever like which, which is the other part of it is that they don't have grocery stores like within walking distance of your house like that's the not good ones and the, and the good grocery stores are not to be found anywhere close mm-hmm. like 
when you're on Gresham and Candler, like when you're in that pocket of the east side, you got to go to Glenwood to get to a good grocery store. So even on the east side, you go about 15, 20, 25 minutes in your own fucking neighborhood to get to the good grocery store. You can go to and you're driving, too. So you can't like just walk down the street to go to the grocery store. Oh, no, Never. no, no, no. The, yeah. the stuff that you can walk to are the horrible stores with the bad food that ain't been properly wrapped and the super yeah. low price. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and, and we shopped at those stores too, not the ones in Atlanta, but the ones in Charlotte too. Like, so, I was about to say, well, you live in a nice area, Andrew. I live in a nice area now. Yeah, I mean, I I did then too, but um, I mean, but you live on the but but I was about to say, I've been to your house. Well, you got to go through my old side of town to get to your side of town. My side of town ain't nice, right? So, it's like, you got to go through the back end. That's not the part of the west side that I was from, but I used to work on that part of the west side, and I know that part of the west side very very well. It's like, oh no no no, the same thing I'm talking about going on on the east side of Atlanta. It's happening in that pocket on the west side of Charlotte, headed to your nice part yeah. of your town. No, I, I grew up in um, Plaza Midwood, which is is super expensive now. It was not; it was like a, just a working class neighborhood mm-hmm. when I was when I was little. Um, but um, no, we we came up um, Brookshire free to get to, to get to West Charlotte. We come up Brookshire and up Beatty's Ford, up past Northwest, um, <clears> and <throat> um, that that comes in before J C Smith. J C Smith is further down, but. Um, <clears throat> Like by the water water treatment plant or whatever, um, so yeah, that's that's where we would come in um, there. But it's 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 a very different very different world for sure, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Um, well, when, go go ahead. ahead, no, 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 go ahead, no, no, no. no I, I was coming back around with this a little bit when I teach writing classes. I'm a teacher, so um, and I teach creative writing and how to write things. So we talk a lot about food in those classes mm-hmm. because, and, and that's one of the things that come came up. To, to me when I was listening to this, we talk a lot about food because food is one of the things that's mostly most closely tied to your memory. Right. Yeah. Um, some of that's about repetition because we tend to eat our favorite foods like over and over and over and over again, growing up or, you know, our grandma has a, a favorite dish she likes to cook or whatever that is that we eat repeatedly. <clears throat> but also some of it um, is, you know, about the hands that prepare it and the people we eat it with. Um, so it, it brings those memories as well, but also in a purely biological sense um smell and taste are the two senses that are most closely tied to memory um and if you can as a as a writer when i'm teaching young writers like if you can bring back those tastes or smells to your mind it opens up a whole world of things which is kind of what you're describing about bankhead seafood etc 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 and and like i've never been to bankhead seafood but i there are places like that um that have the same kinds of memories for me, um, like restaurant kind of places. So, yeah. So, go ahead. No, so that, that's what I mean. And this is what I mean about how food like connects culture down here so hard. About a year ago, I went and got some yazines. That's a that's a fish spot down here that my mom used to take mm-hmm. me to too. It kind of like kind of used to be Bankhead Seafoods competition a little bit. Okay. Once upon a time, you know what I mean. So yeah. yazines used to make. The tartar sauce that gets made down here in Atlanta that almost everybody uses, it was Yazine's tartar sauce. Okay. And so I went to the other side of town and got some Yazine's one day for my daughter and for my mom and for my niece. And when I dropped it off and my mom had a piece of fish, she dipped it in the tartar sauce. She just literally had a flashback. She was like, the owner used to work on Saturdays and would come around and bring you the tartar sauce himself. Yeah. See, that's the, that's the kind like, of thing buy, that comes back. Yeah, you right. can't buy that memory. Like she dipped into the fish tail, that tartar sauce. She, mm-hmm. she was like, you used to come around the corner and give it to yourself when you needed extra and not charge you. <laughs> that's good business too. Like, yeah. But, but yeah, that's, and that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. And that's the kind of thing that this song does, the soul mm-hmm. food song does. Um, that for you, from what you've described, it, it touches like actual food memories that you have mm-hmm. growing up in Atlanta. Um, and for me, it, reminds me of the type like i can still even though my food memories are not those specific ones i still have ones like that <clears throat> that it also touches you know smelling food cooking in the fellowship hall in church like on like that kind of thing i still have those memories mm-hmm. too um so fellowship hall that's what they were called yep yeah, yeah. i mean it's the basement i mean it's, it's the same thing I mean, it's, the down, it's like right right under the sanctuary like it's downstairs which you is know, why some the smells of- are just coming up that, and that's more of a North Carolina thing, too, because I'll tell you what, a lot of the black churches down here, mm-hmm. 
just because of the mass and the size, especially like on the south side of Atlanta, like on the Cascade side of things. Oh, they got a whole another banquet hall that's separate from the church. And so you get down from church and go, everybody <laughs> kind of walks single file over to the banquet hall area. Get in line. Yep. Get in line. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, I mean, this song really strong, really important. Uh, I just think uh, Southern culture, black culture, hip hop culture. Because even with the organs and even mm-hmm. with the, the, the at times um, political rhetoric and even mm-hmm. with, I mean, and even with the socioeconomical rhetoric, it's very hip hoppy still. Like the drum, yeah. the kick and the snare on it is still very hip hop yeah. based and rooted. And so this uh, this record is doing a lot of things lyrically, spiritually, beat wise. Yeah. And also, too, this is a four man group and it's an eight verse song. So, so yeah, they have to I be do. really. Po- uh, that's one of the things I wrote down too. Finish saying what you're saying, but like, yeah, well, they have to I'm be like really poignant about what they're saying because in order for everybody to get airtime, you're not getting 16 bars. It's like you're getting 16 bars on this whole song. You need to take eight here and take eight there and make mm-hmm. it work, and they did. So their chemistry early on, before this is what made CeeLo a star, mm-hmm. like verses like this. Yeah. But and he's singing the hooks too. That's the other part. That's that's what I mean. This album kind of made him a star because it's like, well, he's lyrically the best guy in the crew, but he can sing too. It's like yeah. oh, he cool. can sing. He's an amazing voice too. Not he's just a better like, singer than Andre. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, like he's an incredible singer. singer. Yeah. He is. Like he has he has a wonderful voice. Like like rapping and singing voice. Mm-hmm. He does. He's very and I've never heard him rap before. So that was that was a, a new experience for me. It's like, oh, that's. I mean, his voice is. Cl- I mean, it's clear which ones are his. Like I. I I recognize his voice, but I still find him to be a superior MC to his singing skills. Even Mm. okay, the the, the verse on thought process and this verse is some of the reason that I feel they're they're excellent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, But it's I mean everybody in the like the wider wider culture knows him from the fuck you song or the forget you song like that. Right. And 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 also crazy with Nas Barkley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, those are the two that, and he was a judge on The Voice for a while, and like right. the TV show The Voice. So, so when did Nas Barkley come out? Two thousand five, right? Uh, probably. Yeah, I'll look. Yeah, so this is ten years before that. So think about it. When he got acquainted with popular mainstream culture, this is a decade before that. Literally a decade. Yeah. You know, and this is what I mean when um his verse on Get Up Get Out on Outcast's first album mm-hmm. is probably the best lyrical verse on the Out for Outcast's first album. I don't recall ever graduating at all. Sometimes I feel I'm just a disappointment to y'all. Every day I just lay around then I can't be found. Always got to give me some living life like a bum. Times is rough. My auntie got enough problems of her own. Nigga, you supposed to be grown. I agree. I gotta be the man I'm supposed to be. But negativity is all you seem to ever see. I admit I done some dumb shit and I'm probably gonna do some more. You shouldn't hold that against me though. Why not? My music, all that I got but sometimes you do be tested before this do be manifested. I know you know I'm going to say this to you. I get high, but I don't get too high. So what's the limit supposed to be? That's what. That's why you can't get your ass about the bed before three. You need to get up, get out, cut that bullshit out. Ain't you sick and tired of having to do without? Man, what up with all these questions? You act as though you know something I don't. Do you have any suggestions? Because every job I get is cruel and demeaning. Sick of taking trash out and toilet bowl clean. But I'm also sick and tired of struggling. I never, ever thought I'd have to resort to drug smuggling. Nah, that ain't what I'm about. See, just continue down this route without any doubt or fear. I know the Lord ain't brought me this far. So he can drop me off here. Then I make myself clear. That's the first time you hear Sima. That's like I hadn't heard that version forever, ever, ever. That's that's so it's like that's the first time you hear him. You're like, who's oh. that? You're like, who's that? Because because the verse is actually him having a conversation with his higher self about doing better for himself. Yep. He's talking to himself. I don't recall ever graduating at all. Sometimes I feel I'm just a disappointment to y'all. The video is him talking to himself, the different version of himself. Wow. So he was special early, early on. This that that verse precedes everything on here by a year, pretty much. Mm. So I looked it up. Gnarls Barkley is ninety six. Saying elsewhere, it's crazy. The song was crazy and all that stuff is ninety not ninety six two thousand six. I'm sorry, I've said that. Wrong. That's my bad. I said that wrong. So yeah, so that's eleven years after Soul Food. So he doesn't really become this household name till a decade after this. But in our neighborhoods, oh, he was he was already he was already legend after this album. Between the Outcast verse and what he did on this album, it's like oh, he was already yeah. yeah. 
yeah it, the, the 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 thing is really really sparse too like the the beat is like you have it really just sounds like a drum drum machine and a bass i mean there's a little organ at the beginning or whatever but there's not much else to it no the, 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 there's literally the drum and the kicks from the drums and you can there's hear like somebody standing there playing the, like actually playing the bass this is not yeah, like somebody playing the on the keyboard like you can hear the difference obviously like it's just somebody like standing there with the right there's the bass there's the organ there's the drums there's a little snare and hi-hat like that's it it's done after that that's what yeah. i mean this is like it's very hip-hop action yeah. just the organ gives it that churchy southern feel and then you got the way that they sound you see that's the thing about it it's like they kind of made country sound and hip-hop like a little bit different they weren't mm -hmm. they like these beats are rap beats yeah this doesn't sound like a country right like, like, thought like the, the stuff rap. the stuff that they're speaking to a lot of it touches right. those things because that's where they're from right? right but like the the beat doesn't sound like that the beat like um this is uh, like Wu-Tang's only other group I've heard. And I mean, obviously I have very little knowledge of this, but where it sounds like they're just like sitting around a table, passing the mic around like they're, and, and they're not like, and, and that's, that speaks to what you were talking about, like the eight bar thing. Cause I think don't hold me. Don't, I'm not hundred percent sure about this, but I think each of them get like a piece of a verse before the chorus comes in. And then each of them right. get another piece of a verse. So it's right. like, I mean, it's almost like they're, it's, it fits with the song, right? I mean, they're like sitting around the table, sitting around the table, passing their dishes around or whatever. They're passing it's, the. It's, yeah, it's act, and it's actually really funky. The first verse is actually four separate verses. Mm -hmm. And then it goes into the hook and the chorus. And then it's three more verses. Then it goes in and then Gip comes in and does his yep. second. And he's almost oh. like he interrupts because the chorus comes in and he's like, no, well, <laughs> hold up. Oh, hold up. See, it's what I write. And Miss Lady. Right. It's yeah, almost like. No, no, talks no, about the hush puppy lines. Yep. Yeah. Bankhead Seafood, making me hit the door with a mind full of attitude at the beautiful yeah. was packed. JJ's Rip Shack was packed, too. So he's like, he's like, no, 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 no. We got to close this out and give it a little bit more Atlanta. That's what that verse was, too. We got to let them know. And the it does that. And it does that. Yeah. No, and it does that. Uh, yeah, it does that pretty wonderfully. Yeah. And I've also like, been walking around singing um, the come and get your soul food. Like, oh, man, get your soul. Like, I've been walking around singing that for yeah, like yeah. a week now. No, no, no. I used to sing the Alice. Good old fashioned soul food. All right. Yeah. Everything. No, no, no. It's super catchy. I like um, this. Is what I mean, though, there's a lot of hip hop beats on here, though. Like, um, mm -hmm. what was I saying? Um, Dirty South. Can you see me? Yeah, I got yeah. you. Like Dirty South. When you go listen to that beat, it's like, no, that's a hip hop beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. These, these are harder or, or more like, I don't know. I don't know enough to call it aggressive, but like it's a very like boom bap like. No, no, no. Not a whole it, lot else a, to it. There's a boom bap emphasis of it, with a church feel sprinkled on top. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really like it's really appealing, especially if you if you're from the south, you know. Yeah, because because yeah. it, it touches like that that hook especially is touching on the spirituals and the blues and all of those things like in church yeah. music. It's it it feels even though what he's saying is not in that tradition i mean it's not not in that tradition but like like mm -hmm. it's i mean i guess you could hear come and get your soul food as not just uh like the food like on your plate but all the food yeah. for your like like it, it, it works it works that way too right yeah it kind of works on that rock him i know you got soul level too you know mm -hmm. like yeah. on that fundamental food for the spirit type of thing yep mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was, I was just kind of flipping through the album and I heard that and I was like, Oh, this is, this, this is the one I want to talk about. This is absolutely. I told you there was stuff all over there. It's like, I just didn't know what you were going to draw into. I thought you were probably going to be a fan of guess who the song where they're talking about their mamas mm -hmm. and Sesame street. I thought you might like too. I, uh, I mean, we will have to come back to some of this. Yeah, right? no, like no, there's, there's great stuff on there. There's yeah. great stuff. See, see, this is one, this is one of my favorite parts about this show is getting to learn about things that I was not familiar about because most like, honestly, most of these hip hop groups and artists, like I've heard their names before. Like I'm, I'm familiar enough with the culture to like have heard the words goody mob before. Like I know that name, but knowing right. any of their songs or knowing anything about them or whatever is there are gaps in my knowledge. Um, so, yeah. so I get to learn about them, which is, which is a lot of fun. No, 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 it is. And I kind of feel that way on both sides, too. And we touch on artists who it's like, I know more by name than by music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? exactly. 
And it kind of gives me an opportunity to just not run down this song and kind of check around and poke in their catalog a little bit, mm-hmm. see what they see what else they have. Soul Food struck a chord with me for you just because it's like, well, I already know that you're familiar with Outkast, mm-hmm. like very much so. I already know that you're from the South. And so it's like, well, those two things, I'm like, yeah, that's perfect for you to listen to. Like, it's like if I had, I mean, not being funny, if I was doing this show with a white friend from California or from New York, I wouldn't recommend Goody Mob Soul Food as easily as I did to you. It's like, oh, no, no, no. You're already kind of familiar with like how this process goes. Listen to that shit. Because I knew there would be things that you would immediately, it would stick to your ribs quicker. Yeah, exactly. Which is what Soul Food is supposed to do, right? It's, it's, yeah, because it touches, like I said before, even though I didn't grow up in the black community in Atlanta, like I have enough touchstone points both from the poor rural farming white communities and from going to West Charlotte and those kind of things. Like I, I can touch enough of those places to, to, to understand what it's being referred to, I guess. And it like, it sticks to my ribs, I guess is a good way for you to say it. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of ribs, one of the last most poignant, like that's what I mean. There's like, there's poignant stuff all over here. Mm-hmm. Cujo says something about dropping the ch- uh, chicken uh, churches, dropping chicken in yesterday's mm-hmm. grease. Listen, so this kind of ties into the next song, Last Night with this quarter of Mickey's hanging over from a good time. And then listen to what he said. Yeah, beef is cheaper, but it's pumped with red dye between two pieces of bread. Yeah. So that's what I mean. This is like, man, these guys are really country. They're really smart. They're, they're sliding some of that stuff in there. Like, you don't, yeah, necessarily, you don't necessarily even catch it the first time. And you're yeah. like, like, oh, wait. He's... No, you don't remember him because you, you didn't have 10th grade Brathwaite with me, did you? Were you mm. in I had her as a junior. Okay. Man, there was this dude, um, James, mm. at Brathwaite, 10th grade year, and he sounded just like Andre, okay. like vocally. But when Soul Food came out, he was asking me why, you know, he's like, do you think it's a classic? I was like, I don't know if it's lyrical enough for it to be a classic. And he was like, said who? <laughs> He said, you crazy. <laughs> and he was right, because if you actually go back and listen to the rhetoric, no, 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 lyrics. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of like high-end lyricism. Yeah, that's what I mean. Record, it's like listen sure. to the stuff that we just broke down in one song. Like mm-hmm. this is these guys without even a real full solo verse to themselves because they're having to break it and chop it up to make the group thing work. No, no, no. He was right. Lyrically great. When you suggested the Soul Food album and I was really drawn to the Soul Food song, I was like, that that was one of those where I like heard that song like the first time. And I was like, that's the one. That's the one I want to do. Um, and I, I've got to like go back and listen to some of the other ones more closely now. But like the first one, the first time I heard that song, I was like, it's yeah, that one, that one. So I was like, and, and this song is, and Soul Food, the song is about one or one of the things that it's about is like how food culture, like and how foods are like attached to memories and how that works in and mostly in the black community um in that song anyway so i was like oh I'll, I'll just go find a song from the white community that talks about food in the same kind of way or a similar kind of way um and use that and i looked for a day and a half or two days and i was like and i asked my friend who's like a human jukebox kind of person. And she was kind of like, and, and so, and then I came back to you two mornings later. And I was like, I really love this song, like the soul food song. And this is kind of what I'm thinking about it, but I can't find another song to go with it because it, the like songs about food in the white community are virtually non-existent. And if they are, and if they do exist, they exist not as um as songs about like childhood and culture and memory and that kind of thing but they exist as metaphors for sex or women or for whatever right Um, and which is fine but it's also not the point of the soul food song at all so i was like what do we do (laughs) about this and you know tell them i guess you can tell them what you told me (laughs) Well, I mean, I was about to say, I, I, you know, in briefly just discourse on it. I said, well, in the black community, we often speak about 
how, well, what you're speaking about doesn't translate musically per se, mm-hmm. because um, Anglo-Saxon Caucasians typically do not have a style or coin frame of uh, a coin way of cooking mm-hmm. that is considered unique into your your uh, tribe's indigenous values or right. health habits. It's like, I mean, not being funny, but it's like the average American eats more traditional foods that come from different parts of the globe. Like, oh, absolutely, Italy, they do. Yeah. China and Southern soul cooking, which you know you and I pretty much express well. We learned how to cook from the scraps of all these pieces because it was what was left with post-slavery. We had to cook for the big families. And so we learned how to be master cooks of all the big things and all the little things. And all the leftovers, yeah. And all the leftovers and all the scraps from the ruta to the tuta. Mm-hmm. And so... I love that phrase. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's where it kind of comes from. Just for, those, like, for those of you who are watching this that are not from the South, that's like from the snout to the, the tail. The snout right? of the pig to the tail yeah. of the pig. Even down to the, to the tutor, yeah. Even from down to the, um, you know, the hush puppy, where the, where the hush puppy leftover cornbread, leftover cornbread, and and they yep. used to the dogs be chasing them, and they'd have to throw it the the cornmeal, the hot cornmeal, add it to the dogs and put it in their mouth to make them hush puppy, mm-hmm. you know. And so there are so many things into the fabric of cooking in my community mm-hmm. that I don't see the connective tissue within your community and a lot of that is because the anglo-saxon culture if you just go to like those early like uh you know those early times that are explained by scorsese in, in gangs of new york it's like well there's the irish over here and the italians over here and, and everybody has their way in their style of cooking mm-hmm. it's like us because of slavery we were kind of forced to, to cook in one pot and right. soul food is what came out of it mm-hmm. other indigenous places kind of happened the same way but <clears throat> I don't think people understand how it's like soul food cooking is like the ultimate of all pigeons. Like a pigeon is usually a literary thing, but if you think about what soul food cooking is, mm-hmm. it's something that really got forced yeah. into my community because it's like, well, we don't this know what, what this is of, what there is. Well, we don't know what a lot of our indigenous diet is also too. Like Andrew, I'll tell you what, it's like the more I find out where my people are from, as in like the Coopers, my bloodline, Right. And I eat more things that come from where my people come from that they probably ate. I'm finding that I have less problems with my body. Hmm. You know, you're not supposed to eat certain things like where my like I notice when I do put certain things in my body, like I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I go look at my tribe and my answers. It's like, oh, my family really don't eat cheese like that historically. <laughs> like where my family's from. It's like, well, ain't no cheese in no damn Barbados or in what's happening. I was about to say, your family's Caribbean, right? Like it's like, yeah. Or, I have us getting off the boat of the. I have us uh, from a boat off the Barbados in 1833. So yeah, and it's yeah. like if you go look at what people eat in the Barbados and their style of cuisine, it's not cheese, more, <laughs> not cheese. And it's like the more I kind of eat indigenously, the better my body actually feels. So even that's what I mean. Even the soul food cooking, well, mm-hmm. the soul food cooking's kind of killing us too. The soul food kind of touching on that. Churches dropping chicken in yesterday's grease. A heap of help in a fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, and collard greens. What do you say right after that? Too big for my jeans. Yep, yep. Even the collard greens. I mean, everybody knows this, but even even collard greens are like have part of the pigs in them too. This is not just say, like green. This is not just greens. This is right vinegar and fat it, back too. Right. This is not right. I was about to say because if you're growing up down here. You know, and, and, and black families have gotten better about it in the South. But if you grew up around the time that we grew up, oh, there was ham hock and or fat back in those greens. Maybe both. Mm-hmm. Maybe oh, both. Yeah. Like a real country cook would sit up there and be like, oh, I don't know if I just want the roasted ham hock. Let me fry up some fat back and put that in there, too. Yep. And that obviously that's salty as all get yeah, out. That, I mean, that I mean gets- that's that's the tradition, right? Like because you have to preserve things in salt before you had refrigeration. So they were like hella, hella salty. Um, yes, but in, in all of these things that I'm speaking to, oh, well, you're familiar with it. Oh, yeah. And, and and I'm not saying that white people don't make soul food, but it's like, well, listen to those black soul food restaurants that I just named. Where are the white soul food restaurants? They don't exist. You know yeah. They don't exist, you know, because it's like, I think even white people look at it. It's like, well, that's not totally our cuisine or our culture. Right. And so what you'll find. If, if I'm, I'm going to eat soul food, I might as well go get get real soul food like, and get the real thing instead of. 
this knockoff version. Yeah. And, and then there becomes something troubling about the paradigm shift about where we're going, because there are plenty of songs from your culture about alcohol and alcoholism and alcohol abuse. Yeah, there's, there, that was the next place I went to, um, which is that uh, when I was doing this search, is that there are like 40 billion songs about alcohol. I mean, especially in like <laughs> Southern country music, kind of they're, like every other song is about beer and like whatever. Like it's it's a thing that is... Um, there are hundreds and hundreds of those. I mean, even the first lines of Tennessee whiskey, even the originals and Stapleton's version, I used to spend my life in the bar room and liquor was the only love I ever known. Like, like that's, that's as alcoholic so, as you can get. Right. It is. So can we talk about something yeah, right quick to kind of get this started? Mm -hmm. One of the biggest just juxtapositions of this for me. And I don't know if you see this either. I was thinking about it. It's like, well, black people talk about food from a soulful place. Mm -hmm. And it kind of comes out like that, even when it's for profit. It really occurred to me because I saw the litany because I kind of did a little search. too. I saw the litany of just records, alcohol, especially if you want to go country, folk, southern. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, my God, it's ridiculous. That's one of those things that marks the socioeconomic difference to Andrew, because what he's speaking to is having oh. the disposable income to be able to. Shit, do that. Yeah. Yeah. We're speaking mm -hmm. from a place of having to survive off of this food. Listen to what mm -hmm. Cujo's saying on Soul Food. Yeah, beef is cheaper, but it's pumped with red dye between two pieces of bread. CeeLo talking about the fast food. There's the economics of it coming to a play where the white man can afford to go get drunk every night. The black man's not talking about alcohol because he can't afford to go drink like that. In, in, in this modern world, yeah. yeah. And there's also the profit margin of it. It's of like, we'll go back to, let's go back to these uh, slavery and reconstruction and uh, pre-prohibition times. Well, who's bootlegging liquor? that's why i'm just writing down i want to make sure we talk about that yep exactly and that's that's where this tennessee whiskey like tradition comes from is from the moonshine stills and the thing i mean it, it isn't from there like now obviously but like it's mm -hmm. that tradition come that that's where it comes from yeah. um like most of the not to get too put too fine a point on it for that's off off topic but like the history of nascar too is about junior johnson and all those guys like they learned to drive by r driving away from the sheriffs and whatever in the in the hills with mm -hmm. you know bottles of cars, bottle, yeah. with bottles of, of moonshine in the trunk of their car right i mean that's like that's where they learned how to drive right. so and that's that's where that tradition comes from too yes so, so, so think about the, the tradition of that and the time of that and what's going on in my community. You know, we're mm -hmm. still borderline sharecropping, still cooking. Yeah, exactly. This is the you know, 20s, 30s, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. We're still cooking for families, still sharecropping, still made, still nanny, still mammy. Yeah. Yep. And so the food is almost like for us, it's a survival thing. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So when I'm, so the first thing that I thought about with the lyrics is like, yeah, this guy's an alcoholic. And I'm thinking, yeah, he can afford to be an alcoholic though. Mm -hmm. So, but, 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 but I, but I, but I echo a lot of your sentiments about what you used to say. I think this song is like, like, you want to know what, how about this? If this song was like to come out right now, Jack Daniels would be all over. Mm -hmm. Like if it was right, right now, Jack Daniels would jump on this and take it and run and i'm thinking like oh there are so many ways to make a profit just by talking about something as detrimental yeah as alcohol but talking about it with the love and the passion that this man is <laughs> yeah he's he's not i mean he's talking about a woman obviously he's not he's, right. but he's using tennessee whiskey as a metaphor and strawberry right. wine and brandy right. or whatever in the course you you know the song but like it's I mean, the last note, one of the last notes I wrote about it this morning was like, you could also read that as he's comparing this woman to alcohol because, you know, he starts a song. I used to live my life in the bar room. Like this is, and she, and the, basically the, you know, the arc of the song is that she saves him from, from his, you know, spending all his nights in the bar or whatever. Um, and so he's using this as a metaphor because that's the only metaphor that he has. Like, this is the only thing, the thing he knows to use as a comparison for something that he loves. I like the comparison switched where he talks about going from the alcoholic view to being stoned off her love. Pretty yep. much saying, oh, I don't drink anymore. I get high and I get off your high. Love. Yeah. 
you, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, this guy's getting laid. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, he laid. is, but like he's he's like he's still removing himself from the real world, right? Like he's still yes. not like he's still doing the same thing to himself, sort of. So, Except, so, but he but he's using her as the drug instead. So this of, was displacement to me too. So I was thinking to myself, okay. there's a couple things going on with this. First of all. This is one of those subtle writing moments. It's like you may not feel the writing on here is great. Just that one moment where he flips it like that, that changes the whole level mm -hmm. of writing to me about this song. That's yeah. how I look at writing on a song. And so just, but it also exposed some things. It's like, well, that's also like codependent, toxic, troubling. Oh, it's, it's not a good thing. And then and immediately my thought was, was, well, how good is this woman for him? Because he's yeah. pretty much saying, I'm an addict. I need some sort of drug, some sort of hip of dopamine in order for me to function on some sort of level. He didn't speak about his healing. He just spoke about the transfer from one addiction yep. to the next. Exactly it's a very, right. very dangerous thing. And here's how dangerous the addiction was to me. This is the part of me that spent two decades in hospitality, owned a restaurant, been an alcoholic before because of the business that I've been in. Mm -hmm. When he says, you're warm, has a glass of brandy, mm -hmm. I'm thinking... This guy really is an alcoholic. Oh, because, he is absolutely an alcoholic. Because traditionally, you serve brandy and cognac warmed in a snifter. You actually will get a pot and sit the brandy or cognac snifter in the pot till it warms to a certain temperature. And then you sip it. See, in today's time that we grew up in pretty much since we've been post-21, they just poured that shit in a glass or they just poured it in there. But there used to be a process mm -hmm. to pouring brandy. And also, too, listen to what I'm saying. The places that even did it back then, well, there was a certain level of affluence to those oh, yeah. places. He's those, those, those are like Downton Abbey are, places, like big, big time. Like that's, that, that's, that, that's a British tradition. They use that as like warm you up in the wintertime. It is used it as like nightcaps and used it as like I, I've been out hunting all day and I'm cold and warmed them up. So I would say I would say European because the French are the ones that obviously did it with cognac. Yeah, obviously, where yeah. cognac comes from. But yes, that's something that's unique to European culture. But did transfer into the upper echelon exactly. restaurants and bars and way of living. And so that's what I mean about the. It's funny how you're hearing a guy. He's kind of like not to be funny. He's a little bit of a shitbag alcoholic, but he's got the money and the influence to be one. And meanwhile, you have this black group from the south side of Atlanta and from East Point. It's like, well, they don't have anything, but man, they seem really intelligent and well put together and soulful and articulate. And this guy, you know, and so this is one of those things. And I'm not saying this to, you know, I'm not saying this for more views. I'm not saying this <laughs> to break anything. This is one of those things where you can see the white privilege even in the songwriting. Oh, without question. Yeah. And I mean, the song was written in now, I want to make sure, like, as a writer, that we're differentiating because Chris Stapleton didn't write this song. He didn't right? write like, this song. So he's, he's just he's doing it. But um, it was really like done. But there but absolutely is. In our lifetime, then, because that's 82. So that's mm -hmm. right around the time we're born. So that's yeah. in the last 40 years. So there is there is some of that uh, white man's world and white man's burden. It, like, it's definitely still applicable today. And you can just see it in the song, right? And so that was one of the things that I thought was a really good compare and contrast for these two mm -hmm. songs. Yeah. Is it yeah, that? It is. Well, we can talk about the food, we can talk about the lyric, liquor, but the political and the socioeconomic undertones of both of mm -hmm. these songs, just by them expressing themselves properly, because here's the thing that we have to understand about it. Oh, he has no aware, he's not aware of his white privilege to this level when he's writing this song. Most white people are not aware of their white privilege. That is why it is called white privilege. If you right. all were privy, privy, privilege, if you all were privy to it, yeah. It would not be this way. And so sometimes this is what I mean. I'm not trying to start anything. Sometimes in our black community, we take white privilege as such a um a dangerous moniker when sometimes it's a teaching moniker more than it's a dangerous mm -hmm. one. It's one of yeah. those things that's like, well, white privilege exists because a large majority of them are unaware. And the people who are aware are continually making the people who aren't aware unaware even. You know what I mean? It's like, so we, we just have to be careful about how we unpack these conversations because we still has a black people in the black culture need to be able to play this dope ass song and enjoy it instead yeah. of being, man, fuck this crap and his white privilege. Because that's <laughs> what we tend to do. Okay, no, we, yeah. tend to, we tend to do that about stuff like this where we can see the inherent fundamental difference about saying, well, man, fuck all that. It's like, no, 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 song's still dope. 
the song is good yeah but i mean it can be and that's one of those big thing conversations we'll have and we'll have to talk about it with lots of different artists because there's lots of artists that are let's call them deeply unpleasant human beings um mm-hmm. that are um, have incredible songs and so so the I, that's one of the things we'll have to get into in a different episode like being able to like separate out can, can or, or or can you separate out like the the beautiful music from how horrible the person is i don't i don't know it's a hard question it is it needs to be for me mm-hmm. we're both the fathers to girls okay so yeah. the girls is where i kind of draw the line so like r kelly jerry yeah that's Luke, that's that's absolutely not that's absolutely where my line is drawn other than that i try to keep it to the music and i'm going to tell you why mm-hmm. so many blacks in entertainment we'll just let's just keep the music we don't got to get into the athlete thing so many blacks in music take the same white privilege that they grow up having a disdain for and that they hate and that they detest and then they go get money and power and fame and do you know what they do the they go thing. in they go and behave the same way the white people with the white privilege do. And so there's some black privilege and separatism that goes on with some of our own class too, which is why I'm funny about that. Like, I'll tell you one, <clears throat> you know, my favorite R&B artist that I've ever met in person, like actually met mm-hmm. and talked to, John B. Okay. John B is one of the nicest guys that you'll ever meet. Now, you know where I live and you know I've been in music and you just kind of know how my personality is. I've met a ton of black male R&B singers, Andrew. John <laughs> B. is my favorite. John B. don't act the way some of them brothers act. You feel okay. me? Yeah. I got a picture with John B. Matter of fact, I might put it up. I got a picture with John B. and one of his bandmates. Like we took a picture together when we were done. I got John B.'s number in my phone. I got John B.'s social media. Not like on some follow shit, like on some my, like me and him. We're friends. You, yeah, he's that type of guy. And so Black people need to be mindful about pulling up with that white privilege when we got Black people that are literally sitting up here doing the same thing. And their rationale for it is like, oh, well, white people do it. It's like, well, it's not okay when white people do it. Yeah, it's, it's not, not okay when anybody right. does it. Right. Because here's, only, here's the only time when it's okay. When we all get to do it, and then it doesn't have a connotation or a word to it. Yep. Period. And so... That's just one of those things that has, we kind of do this and unpack. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'll tell you something. I'm not going to say their names. I've taken care of two people down here who are like as big as black artists could be mm-hmm. down here, like in the R&B world. Okay. They are fucking awful, Andrew. They're awful people. They're awful people. And, and on top of that, in one of their cases, a shitty ass tipper. That's that's one of those things. Like, there's no excuse for like I'm not even a bad tipper, and I don't make like even. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm like, not to be funny. I'm not talking about a guy that's even worth ten or twenty million dollars, and it's like you're lucky if that guy will give you a fifteen percent tip. It's like he's just not a good guy. Mm-hmm. But if he was white, it would be played totally different. Like it's some like... of the things that black stars get away with because they're black. It's like, oh no, it's like no, no, no. If a white guy did that, we would be saying a whole set of things about that behavior. You know, mm-hmm. and so we just have to be mindful about how we audit that on this side, too. Uh, this song is a remake. It's brief, but it's brilliant. And I enjoyed it. And so even though there were issues that I could see as a black man, because I'm intelligent and aware, well, I see those issues every day. And so I just choose to start unpacking things differently. And it's like on this mm-hmm. one, it's like, oh, no, I hear all that. The song's dope. <laughs> the, song, the song's still good, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it, I wanted to come back around briefly to a thing that you said earlier um, about um, the affluence attributed to Brandy, too, because I, di- I didn't um, notice this. The three things that he know he names in the chorus are Tennessee whiskey, strawberry wine, and a glass of brandy, right? Um, w- which touch three different echelons or different versions of. I never thought about this until you said that, but I mean, the glass of brandy obviously is a very uh, the southern word would be highfalutin um, kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, strawberry wine is the opposite of that, mm-hmm. right? That's that's mm-hmm. something you make in in your basement. Right, yeah, like when you have we have we have blues. extra, yeah. <laughs> um, when you have extra leftover strawberry, and and Tennessee whiskey is 
like in the modern world it's in between those two things but um it's that's just the but it also has the history of the bootlegging and all of the moonshining to go with it too so it, it touches all three different points of, no, of that culture too which is cool no that's part of the writing being dope in here too yeah. because i thought about that briefly just the warm brandy part stuck out in my mind more but you're very accurate because he's traveling a few different roads just by mentioning how about this him mentioning those styles of spirit making is very comparable to get giving you the rundown of the restaurants the beautiful jj's rib shack bankhead seafood yeah. you know yeah it's to and, evoke a certain level of imagery and those are the only images he has because the chorus is not just that it's you're as smooth as Tennessee whiskey. You're as sweet as like, he's, he's talking to this woman, right? He's, 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 and he's telling her like, she is these things. And, and, and it's funny because it's like, there is part of me that thought it's like, is this a little tongue in cheek too? Cause you know, Tennessee whiskey isn't always really smooth strawberry wine moonshine think about it is moonshine that's, that's strong stuff like it's not <laughs> yeah strawberry wine like that's i know what he's talking about you know what he's talking about too we're from north carolina like mm -hmm. that strawberry it's usually not sweet tennessee whiskey not always smooth so there's part of me that it's like oh well he's going through layers and levels as a writer it's like well this could be saying you're my safe place and my happy place or like you're my new misery place and my new trauma mm -hmm. place it could be both of those things and that's why i found the writing to be very very good and alcohol does that right like it is it it is one of the many i mean all addiction works this way like it's a th there are things sort of by definition that make you feel better in the moment but worse later like that's the the general arc of addiction I think, right i think more than anything at least in americanized society alcohol is that thing that makes right. you feel good while you take it but the back end of it like in terms of the next day the next 10 years the rest of your life oh no you know Isn't, yeah yeah. Like, you know, what's funny is that, like, I had some white wine earlier this week. I haven't really been drinking wine lately, but I really haven't been drinking because I really don't drink like that anymore. Most of the right. time when I drink now, Andrew, actually, is when we do according to Hip Hop Live, because I'm alone in my basement. I'm comfortable. I feel safe. And there's kind of like a time limit on it. Mm -hmm. And I say this when somebody has been an alcoholic. It's like, no, if you if you can admit that you've been an alcoholic and you're still going to have a drink. You need to have limits and boundaries. And say, like, when this for, is over, then I'm stopping. Standards for yourself. Yeah. Yes. So, like, for me, when According to Hip Hop's done, I'm done. Mm -hmm. So, we might be live three hours. I might have two drinks. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm, like I've watched enough to know that you're, you're just like sipping every Yeah, once I'm in literally while. sipping. Not... Right. So, it's like, so you're talking about like over the course of three or four hours, well, I may sip two drinks. Mm -hmm. And that's how much I may drink during the week. Now, that's having a rain on your habit. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like where it's like, no, that comfortable in that safe, safe space of it. You know what I'm saying? And so, and I could just keep on going down that rabbit hole and tell you stories and all that. But I had some white wine after the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I not only do I not usually have more than two drinks, but I definitely don't drink white wine. Oh, the way that I felt the next day. I didn't want to go to work. I was like, I woke up and I was like, when's the last time that I drank enough that I didn't feel like going to work? I was like, ugh. But <laughs> that's my body not being predisposition because I'm pre-diabetic to the sugar in white wine, which is why I barely drink it because I'm pre-diabetic. I had already had two drinks of bourbon. So now I'm mixing bourbon which yep. is going to process in the sugar with more white wine processing into more sugar not drinking enough water it's like no 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 alcohol is serious you know mm -hmm. and so yeah. even though it's troubling i hate to say it it's easier to take the shit when it's well written <laughs> yeah yeah and it's, it's, it's the, the other interesting thing that we have to bring up too is that connects all these pieces is that the, the first two versions, David Allen Coe's and George Jones's, and like in the early 80s of the song are like straight ahead country songs. And I will, um, I can't, I can't get the Chris Stapleton version out of my head enough to sing the, how the chorus sounds um, in the original ones. I will, I'll drop it in. You're as smooth as Tennessee whiskey. You're as sweet 
the strawberry wine. But you should know that they're like straight up country songs, like in the country radio sense, like George Strait, Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, oh, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of very straight up. Travis. Um, tra- that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, Chris Stapleton's version is a blues song. Is, mm-hmm. is, 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 has very much in the blues. No, you can you tradition. Can, you can I mean, even even in the when he's playing that, get a do 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 do. Yeah, it, like it, at the it, beginning, like it, kind it, of walking it, it up into there, like that. Like the, yeah. the the tone. I mean that that walk up or that kind of walk up is the kind of thing that they use in country music all the time. Um, like we're just walking the notes up, but um, like the tone of the guitar is is very bluesy and obviously his voice is much more in line with that it doesn't feel like some it feels organically like something that made its way to radio that wasn't made for radio right exactly no the the story of it or part of the story of him with it is that he used to play it in sound checks it wasn't like one of the parts of his show he'd play in sound checks he was just like messing around and -hmm. somebody heard it and was like oh you should record that you should do that yeah no yeah yeah. Um, it's it's much more in the tradition of like allman brothers than it is in the tradition of like traditional country radio yeah no 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 i i I totally hear that it just feels more natural it just does yeah Um, it doesn't feel like the machine that's what i'm saying no it doesn't he he was that's one of the reasons he became such a huge star is because the the songs i mean he's a country singer he's from nash he's not from nashville but he was in nashville when he recorded this he's he's kentucky boy um but um he so he's coming from that world, like the country music world, but it's not a country song, really. And most of that record, the Traveler record, the, the album that this comes from, sounds very much like this and bluesy. So and this is one of those things. I'm familiar with who he is, but was not familiar with his music until today. Because mm-hmm. it's like how you were saying about Goody Mob. It's like, I know the name, don't really know who they are. No, no, no. I knew his name, didn't really know who he was or what he did, though. So yep. this was kind of like a learning and educational for me, too. And I'm like, no, no, no. This was a dope song. This was a good choice. And, and and just actually that that's an interesting inversion too because i am just like you said you were surprised that i didn't know goody mob soul food like the record like i'm i'm surprised that you've never heard this before like this is uh a, a, like a one of those songs that's not like a niche song it's a really really super 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 famous all, one all that broke out across country and blues and rock and roll and like broke out mm-hmm. all of those ways right right it, actually it, i hate to say it it's like it almost feels like something that like I may have heard when I was in Nashville, like getting like like stupid drunk, like square dancing on Broadway. It's that kind my... of yes, song. it yeah. feels it, it felt that way too. That was actually my visual image of it. it was like the last time I was in Nashville with my brother, and we got like totally trashed, and we were the only black people square dancing and line dancing in a line of like a hundred white people in our Timberlands. It was yeah, great. Yeah, do it somewhere. Somebody in Nashville has great footage of these two black guys in their Timberlands, like line dancing and square dancing, like midnight, and like and we were bar hopping too. It's like well, not like we did that shit in one club, but <laughs> yeah. The the other part about this is that the the vocal lines, the way he sings them, are I w- I won't don't use the word stolen, but they are certainly representative of um, Etta James's "I'd Rather Go Blind." To think of think of that song in your head um i'd rather i'd rather go blind right yeah. like like the i used to spend my life right that's a pretty word? typical blues like kind of phrasing thought, but still that's but i guess it, would, would we call that a musical run he's using some of etta's runs yeah he's yeah. absolutely and and if you're gonna pick somebody etta james is a great person to pick like she's like queen mother if you're a man if, if you're a man and you can do a run you can really sing is actually mm-hmm. what i really thought when you said that i didn't how about this? I didn't really think about that because, quite frankly, most people can't sing like Etta James enough Mm-mm. to do her runs on their Mm-mm. best day. No, you know? no, 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 no. So it's like, no, I didn't think about that at all until you just did that because it's like I don't, like I don't think Beyonce can do Etta James's runs. You know what I'm saying? Rihanna can't. Like you know what I mean? Like none of these. Modern no, the things. list of people that can do Etta James is very, very, very short. Yeah. So, but no, no, no. I can see where he's pulling from that now that you've said that. Yeah. And, he, and he's not obviously he's not trying to sing like her. That, that no. would be you know disrespectful. But like, but it is, it is evocative of like he, he's using the same general melody lines well, to, no, that, which, which is not to, exactly the same as it was in the original country songs like that's changed kind of it up what, a little bit kind of what you do when you're like great mm-hmm. when you're great you can do that i'll give you and and he's not to this level obviously no disrespect to him but if you've ever heard the original version 
to uh, Butterflies by Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. the Floetry did. And then you go listen to Michael Jackson's version. You're like, how did he take that vocally and hear that and then go make it into that? Because the words are the same, mm-hmm. but the way he put the falsetto and the inflection of the words where he's touched, it's just like, okay, that's why he's Michael Jackson and everybody else is everybody else. Like Butterflies is one of those examples. Like that's why he's Michael Jackson and you're not. You're never going to be that way because he can literally take a whole song that was like this song was a classic and beautiful song before he took it and he took it and made it more classic and more masterful. It's so hard to do. It is. He's not just a dancer, guys. (laughs) He's not. He is no, 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 no. Ordinary singer and he's a musician. His his singing has gone extraordinarily underrated. His time Mm -hmm. has passed by because he's the best performer we've ever seen. No, he's. How about this? I'm a bigger Prince fan. He's vocally a better singer than Prince. We can kind of get back mm-hmm. to it, though. Their falsettos are comparable, but it's like if you were to ask them to do some runs, like you'd be more impressed with Mike's runs, the range. Mm-hmm. But comparable singers. Yeah. Cool. That's, I think that's probably a good place to cut it off. Like I think that's Ending <laughs> with Michael Jackson and Prince is always a good place to yeah. stop. <laughs> Michael, we we just climbed the mountain and got to the top, right? And that's the. <laughs> no, that was good, and I did like this song. Yeah. Hey guys, if you made it this far, I'm grateful, and we're grateful. Um, thanks for hanging out with us this far. If if you've loved this or you've watched this this far and enjoyed it, here are some other things that you could. Um, hang out with us and listen to and listen to us talk about hit those like and subscribe buttons um see you next time take care y'all